today's part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global. We have the honor to interview again Dr. Ron Dick, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duquesne University in the School of Business. So Ron, as some of you may know, worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in the NCAA. So Ron, uh, nice to see you again on the show. Thank you, Julian. Happy to be back with you today. Right. So, Ron, what I wanted to talk about with you today was talk about the uh, NCAA new draft that could impact athlete compensation and then talk about the potential U.S. Uh, boycott of the Olympics in Beijing. And then we'll talk about the NFL and uh, what they're doing with the NFT. And then we'll talk about the MLB uh, lockout and then the set of the Penguins for $900 million. And then we'll talk about your pr uh, prediction for the Super Bowl and the NBA championship. How does it sound? That sounds great, Julian. I'm ready. Let's okay, so, uh, let's bang them out here. All right. So, you know, one of the big news I think that happened recently is, uh, you know, the NCAA put together a new draft that could change student athlete compensation. So uh, I know it's a, it's a topic close to your heart. So what is your take on that? Okay. So there, there's there's a lot going on in uh, college sports right now, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, The two uh, – well, I'd say three, actually. The three may main talking points are, number one, the in, in basketball in particular, uh, men's basketball, the porthole situation uh, where players are able to transfer without sitting out a year is really uh, some of the older, more established uh, coaches that are kind of drill sergeants, you know, taskmasters, they're having problems adjusting to this. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the coaches went in and just gutted their whole team. Uh, if there's 350, 354 division one men's basketball programs, really there's like 10 players that get to play a lot. I know there's 12 on each roster, but then let's say there's 10. So that's, that's yeah. a universe of 3,500 plus players. Many of which I saw a study that 90% of them thought they were going to the NBA. So if they're not playing at their current team, then they think, well, the coach doesn't know what he's doing because I'm, I'm an NBA player. I mean, they really believe this. Uh, meanwhile, you know, less than 1% are actually going to go to the NBA, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they transfer, and now they don't have to sit out. So you have to re-recruit your team every single year. Uh, playing time is like the biggest challenge for all the coaches. Trying to make everybody happy is almost impossible. Yeah. Uh, so so they're going through all all of that right now. That combined with COVID on top mm -hmm. of the new thing called a nil. That's a name image. So what is that? I've heard that term many, many times. Yes. Nil. Uh, let's go back to the Michael Jordan era of the NBA. It kind of came out of of that uh, situation from 84 to 99, uh, 98. He played with the Bulls. And the question yeah. was, when he was doing things like the uh, the uh, the uh, the iTunes, you know, the the Looney Tunes, you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff, yeah. you know, could he use a Chicago Bull jersey mm -hmm. uh, with Jordan and Chicago Bulls written on it with Jerry West, the NBA silhouette? And the answer was no. No, you're not allowed to use that unless you want to cut the NBA and Jerry Reindorf at the time, you know, the, and currently. The, yeah, that doesn't fly with the Chicago NBA. Bulls. So what, if, what, yeah, so what Michael wore was – a, a black or red jersey, the same colors as the uh, the Bulls. He mm -hmm. had Jordan on the front, and he – or he just wore 23. So that's what mm -hmm. he was allowed to do. Nowhere did you see Bulls. Nowhere did you see the Chicago Bulls. Nowhere did you see the NBA silhouette logo. Yeah. 
that was the agreement. So who, who owns that jersey? Uh, the agreement is that the, the whole jump, the Nike jump logo, which is you know across the the globe, that's owned by Michael Jordan and the and, and the uh, the Nike company. The jersey, Chicago Bulls, with Jordan written on the back, number twenty three, that's owned by the Chicago Bulls. So that's kind of where the agreement came. So with the name, image, likeness, players, male and female, can yeah. go out and sell uh, any product they want and get paid for, for it. Now, that is legendary. That That is an earth-moving landmark decision. And that started July 1st of 2021. So and and then can they sell it, uh, like the jersey, for any price they want? or who said No, no, price? it's not the jersey now. It's not the jersey. It, it's, okay. it's, their, it's their name. Uh, they can do a commercial. Yeah. That, which that never happened before, whether it's television, radio. Uh, most of it is coming through the Internet with things like social media, such as TikTok, yeah. Snapchat, you know, all, all that stuff. And uh, my greatest fear was that it was only going to be for male athletes and only for the Power Five or Group of Five uh, conferences, which, of course, is the Big Ten. Yeah. The, the uh, the SEC is the biggest one for football. Uh, uh, Pac-12, Big 12, and the ACC. So they're the five major ones. Uh, you could say in basketball, the Big East is probably the, the non-football, uh, but definitely a powerhouse for uh, men's men and women's basketball. So that has not happened. It's basically the people that, that are the biggest followers are the ones that companies – will uh, allow and and, incur, and will pay money to the players. And some of them are outside of, the, like Fresno State had uh, two twin basketball players, and they, they got paid uh, decent money because they had three million followers. Wow. <laughs> so so that that's where we're at with, uh, with nil. All the universities are trying to figure it out as quickly as possible. That money is external. So mm-hmm. it does not affect Title IX. Now, a brief education on Title IX, founded in 1972. Basically, what we do for men's sports, we have to do for women's sports. Okay. I would say here we sit, what, almost 50 years later. I would say that uh, Title IX worked. Uh, now, unfortunately, there were some sacrificial lambs in the men's side, such as wrestling, baseball, uh, swimming, track and field, where we had to cut some of those sports to make it proportional. Um, there's no animal on the woman's side of the ledger for college sports like football with 80 guys running around wearing helmets and pads. So yeah. you have to add more women's sports. That's how the Title IX issue kind of works, uh, especially if your school has more females than it does males. Like a school like uh, St. Um, Duquesne University, we have 64% female, we're 36% male. So mm. ideally, proportionality, 64% of our student athletes should be female. Yeah. So we added a women's bowling team, which uh, helped offset that, the, the side of football. All right. So now that's that's nil. It's still exploratory. It's still evolving. There are there is no conclusions that we can make out of that. But I'm just glad to see other people besides men football and men's basketball are making money. The Nick Saban of Alabama claims external money has gotten his quarterback a million dollars. Wow. He's making a million dollars to do certain commercials and endorsement deals. And, uh, you know, he wants that word to get spread out there because he's like, hey, he wants the next, I guess, Peyton Manning's nephew. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Eli Manning's nephew is the next best quarterback in the country. Is he? Okay. Yeah. And he's deciding wh- where to go. Does he go where his his father, who's the oldest one, uh, not Peyton and Eli are the uncles. They're not the father. Yeah. But they both have an older brother who this is his son. And, of course, he could go where. This is crazy. I've got so many quarterbacks in the family. I mean, it's totally nuts. I mean, it, it, it is amazing genetically how that that all worked. So he could go where his uncle, Eli, and where his da- his grandfather went. That, of course, yeah. would be the University of Mississippi and the beautiful Oxford, Mississippi. Or he could go where his uncle went, Tennessee. That would be mm-hmm. Peyton Manning. Or he could go to Georgia. Or he could go to Alabama. <laughs> so he, yeah. he has a lot of choices that he has to make. And and that's, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to be uh, – plugged into the nil name image likeness situation. Okay. So now the next thing that's occurring uh, above and beyond all of that, the universities can now directly pay the players above and beyond room and board, the stipend. And it's my, from what I've learned, the university that identified this first, I I think we all thought this would come out of the Southeast conference, the sec. And it did. And that was Mississippi. Mississippi has said, we're going to pay, our uh, football players uh, $5,900 above and beyond, almost like it's a part-time job, mm-hmm. above and beyond their uh, stipend, above and beyond their room and board, above and beyond their tuition and books. So that was also legendary. Now, my question there is, does that affect Title IX? Do we have to start paying some of the women sports? And so far, I have yet to hear that, that we are. But that's not right. I mean, the women should be just as well. well that that money is internal, so that would fall, in my opinion, under the umbrella of a Title IX violation. But I'm mm. sure they're figuring that out right now. They're trying okay. to figure all that out as we speak. But thank you for your for your insights on that. The second topic okay. I wanted to talk about was about the uh, so the Biden administration announced a diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics in China on Monday. And the political action uh, will not prevent U.S. athletes from competing in the Beijing Games, but bars U.S. government officials from attending. And the boycott is really to protest uh, uh, the protest of human rights atrocities, uh, you know, happening in uh, China. So, what is your take on that? Do you think okay. It's- so you you broke that news to me yesterday, and I've had some thought to think about time to think about it. Yeah. So thank you for letting me know that. I, I was yeah. not aware of that situation in Beijing. Of course, they, they hosted the summer games in 08, so I guess they could do summer and winter yeah. uh, weather-wise. So the history of boycotting, uh, when you look at where politics collide with sports, normally it ruins sports. And I would cite the 36 Berlin Olympics where Jesse Owens from Ohio State went over there uh, Germany was trying to display their greatness and how how much they've recovered from World War One, and of course, in three years later in '39, we know how that all ended, right? Yeah. So the next one was uh, also in Germany. I would cite the '72 Munich Olympics, where uh, there was the PLO um, ended up attacking the the locker rooms or the the housing of where the Israelis were. And that ended very poorly. Uh, So that was another, they did, they thought about canceling the Olympics after that, the assassination took place, but they ended up finishing them off. And there was some controversy between the United States and Russia over replaying the last 
three seconds, three times until the Russians finally won against our college kids in, in uh, 72. So yeah. then we go to 1980. In 1980, the summer, the winter games were held in uh, Lake Placid, New York, and the United States beat the professional Russian college players in hockey, beat the professional ones, and that was... Oh, there's a movie on that, right, too. There's a movie. It's called The Miracle movie. on Ice, yes. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yes, I think. and that, that, that was... They had played a couple weeks before in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, they got Russia. killed. The yeah, Russian I mean, team won, like, I don't know what it was, 9, 10, to oh, yeah. 1 or That's 2. Bad. So no one thought they had a chance against the mm-hmm. professional Russian men. They were men. But they trained but so they, hard. They trained so hard, right? And in the end, yeah. they were better prepared, yeah. Herb Brooks was their coach, and uh, you know, yeah. he later won the Stanley Cup with the uh, Penguins in 91. So long story short, they uh, the Summer Olympics took place in Moscow. Jimmy Carter, no, that's when the basketball is played in the summertime, August of 80. Jimmy Carter, our president, uh, who lost that fall to Ron Reagan in, in the reelection, he was a one-term president. Yeah. The, he said, I'm not, sending our, uh, I'm not sending our athletes to uh, Moscow. I'm boycotting the Olympics for the United States. Mm. So you had great runners like Carl Lewis. Uh, oh, yeah. That weren't able to go. Now, of course, they went in 84 and 88. Uh, mm-hmm. We had Isaiah Thomas, Rolando Blackman, a whole bunch of college guys uh, that uh, weren't able to go and play in the Olympics. And that was their yeah. one chance of playing in the Olympics. What did the Russians do? My question to you. Now, we did not discuss this for our listeners. Mm-hmm. In the green room, I did not ask you this question. I want to ask you and put you on the spot right now. Mm-hmm. What did the Russians do in 1980 that upset Jimmy Carter in the United States so much that they would not send their athletes to Moscow for the summer 1980 Olympics? And then, well, honestly, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, then I'll answer I, the question because it's a very contemporary, in the moment issue. They invaded Afghanistan. Ah, okay, I see. Now they're on the cusp of invading Ukraine, right? They're they got mm-hmm. military people on the border. Well, they invaded Afghanistan. So what the United States did, because we do uh, supervise the world, yeah. we we unfortunately. We gave not not soldiers, not soldiers, but we did give guns and bullets and bazookas and tanks and any other type of military help that Afghanistan needed to well, defend yeah, their. We all know how it ended, right? We all know how that ended. And then, of course, we supported a person named Bin Laden. Exactly. So, and then we saw how he returned the favor back in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. just twenty one years later. So the 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 old thing uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and that was the triangular mm-hmm. diplomacy between china and the united states versus russia in the early 1970s with the great henry kissinger and uh, richard nixon was the president so that uh that just shows you where they should not collide but they do too much uh politics and sports and of course the, the uh, Russians returned the favor in 84 with a bunch of college kids led by Michael Jordan and Bobby Knight as their head coach from Bloomington, Indiana. We won the gold medal in Los Angeles because then the Moscow uh, Russian team did not show up there either. I see. Um, OK, well, well, thank you for clarifying that. So the next topic I want to talk to you about was the um, the fact that uh, DraftKings uh, and the NFL Player Association announced a partnership around uh, gamify NFTs recently, right? And the betting company Draft DraftKings and the NFL Association has since partner one team partners 
announced also that they will release products on Draft, DraftKings Marketplace during the 2022-2023 NFT NFL season. So uh, as you know, you know the NFT world is booming. Uh, the NBA was the first league to do the NBA Top Shot, which was a, a, a big success. And obviously the NFL wants to do the same thing and try to create their own NFT uh, Top Shop uh, product. And I think I've seen some projections saying that they would make uh, something around, I don't know if it was like $350 million from NFTs uh, for the upcoming season, but it was a big number. So uh, what is your take on that, this whole deal around NFT embedding and so on? The whole NFT thing, uh, which is like the modern day baseball cards, but it's yeah, NFTs, exactly. they're numbered. They're, I, I, I have not invested any money into it. Uh, when I was mm-hmm. a child, I loved collecting the baseball cards like every other yeah, person. And uh, I can understand something tangible like that, like why it has value, uh, the Honus Wagner card here in Pittsburgh. But uh, so NFTs being said, if, if people understand that and, and they, they believe that they will hold their value, kind of like Bitcoin and uh, crypto and some of these other things, mm-hmm. uh, that that's one thing. Why the why the NBA and the NFL would get involved in it is another thing. Uh, betting is here to stay. Yeah, uh, there was a fear years ago that we could never. Everybody knew Vegas could support, even though it's very transient, similar to Florida, uh, could support pro teams. We always there was kind of an underlying like follow up statement, like, "Well, we don't want to get that close to betting." Now we can look back now and say, "Well, that was really silly." Like that 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 we're doing it now. We have two teams there, right? The Raiders and the the uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights, uh, the NHL team, and it's. It doesn't seem to be an issue at all. Now, I think a lot of that ties into how much the players are being paid. I mean, you could get to a college kid and and maybe get them to try to fix a college game because they know that they're not going to go to the NBA. They're not going to go to the NFL, most likely. And how long will they go? They're mm-hmm. not going to get paid, you know, like a pro sport. But you're not going to get LeBron James to fix the game because he, well, makes, so he, know, he makes $40 million a year plus. So – you know that that's not a fear. There's By the way, so many... I watched a movie that you asked me to watch on Netflix about this basketball player who fixed the game. Called Bad just... Sports, nineteen ninety-four. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yes, in nineteen ninety-four, the point guard who again controls the ball, uh, controls mm-hmm. kind of the quarterback on the on the on the court, the, the coach on the court. He at Arizona State, they were able to shave points, meaning don't yeah. win the game by more than six. You can win the game, but don't win by more than six because we're going to bite them in the in, in the butt in the end, right? I mean, yeah, they end up going to jail and they ended up not making a penny. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, so I have I, friends that are very conservative and things, and they're saying, "Hey, I bet twenty dollars on this game. I bet thirty dollars on that game." Like I never thought those guys would ever bet on anything because they just felt it was it was inappropriate it was kind of almost like dirty and unethical that that ship has sailed uh you've got so many people betting uh and sadly some of them can't even watch a game unless they've got a little skin in the game as they say okay Uh, yeah so they they need to bet a little bit just to kind of get aroused to watch the game or keep interest in the game Mm mm-hmm that's a good point. Um, now, I, I know another topic close to your heart is the uh, MLB. And the MLB has been in the news recently because of the lockout. I mean, yes. it's a big topic. So what's your opinion on that? 
Well, I think uh, it's important, you know, always to have a review of literature and have a sense of what the history of that is. Uh, first of all, let's let's give a definition to we hear work stoppage, you know, and most fans don't care why they're not playing. They mm-hmm. just care that they're not playing. Yeah. So there's a fundamental difference between the two. You have the players and the players union. You have the commissioner who's supposed to be a go between, but mostly sides with the owners because they sign his check. Yeah. And they're they're at odds right now. And the there's a lot of sticking points to it. But uh, right now we have something called a lockout. So that's when the owners lock the door. They tell the players, do not show up for work. We are suspending business. We are not paying you. Uh, we realize with the agreement in place, uh, which has expired, we're not allowed to use your name, your image, your likeness to sell tickets for 2022. So all we can use in basketball, we had the same thing happen to us in 98, 99, that we had to sell like the cheerleader uh, logo, the, the mascot, the uh, anybody, the coaches, you know, and anybody in the front office that you want to put out there. Uh, that's how you had to sell a team. That's a hard way to sell, not using the players. So and, and let me ask you this. So during the lockout, do the owners stop playing the the baseball players? Well, the baseball players only get paid during the season in most cases. Yeah. Uh, they don't really make that much money in the playoffs. They get a playoff share. Okay. Uh, now, the, now we go back to August 12th of 94. That was called a strike. So in that, but that was in MLB. We did not even have a fall classic. We had no world series in the fall of 94. Yeah. And, The players had about 80% of their money in their pocket. They were working without an agreement between them and the owners because it had expired in 90, the end of 93. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just continued status quo, you know, what it was before. Well, the players kind of got tired of that. They wanted a longer-term deal in place, so they struck. They were they were striking. They did not show up for work. And let me tell you something. I'm from France, so I know about strikes and strikes. Okay. So. Okay. So they they did not show up for work and they had 80 other percent of their money in their wallet so they're fine. Yeah. The the owners make a lot of their money during the playoffs uh with the ticket revenue but also the television radio. And that's where a lot of players make their reputation that leads to bigger salaries. But yeah. they all get a playoff share during that uh during at the end of that uh playoffs. The further along they go in the playoffs, obviously the more money goes into the the pool that uh the players draw from in their shares. Yeah. Uh, so you go back to hockey 0405, we didn't even have a hockey season. There was mm. no hockey season in 2004 to 2005. Yeah. So there was no least Stanley Cup champion crowned in uh in 05 and the world went on and you know everything was fine. Yeah. So I got a feeling in this case this 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 lockout has legs. Uh the fundamental difference is You saw them go out, the owners, and spend $1.7 billion on uh, players, and uh, they're the high-end players. They passed out a couple, uh, you know, the shortstop, Seager from the Dodgers. The Rangers gave over $300 million. Uh, I think it's $320 or $325 for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so the, the what happened, the minimum salary – for the league, the minimum, and it's a ton of money for a guy like me, of course, is, is $5.70 a year. You, mm-hmm. you can't make one penny more than that in the first three years, $5.70. Yeah. 
You then go to arbitration where the owners submit a number and the general manager, and then the player and his agent submit a number. And then an arbitrator decides what number is the appropriate number for what that player did the year before. And you do that for two or three more years. And then you're a complete free agent like Seeger was from the Dodgers to the Rangers after year six. One of the manipulations of service time that the owners are doing and they admit it is that they're holding star players back because they don't want to start their clock toward arbitration and free agency. So even though they should be, uh, this happened to Chris Bryant with the Cubs about five years ago. Uh, where they, you know, he tore it up all in AAA. He was obviously ready for the majors. He, they wanted him to be the third baseman, but they didn't bring him up until June because they didn't want to start his clock. Yeah. Toward free agency, and now of course they traded him to the Giants this past year because he he's a year from arbitration, uh, a year from uh, free agency. So mm-hmm. that's uh, something that really bothers the players' union. I think the players' union would like to have the designated hitter in both legs, not just the American leg, because that really prolongs the career of some of the older yeah. uh, players, the hitters, yeah. that maybe their their speed has gone in the outfield and they can't even play first base, and, and but they want to keep, keep playing and get another couple uh, checks and uh, paydays maybe for a year or two. And the DH is designed to to handle that, and the pitcher doesn't, doesn't bat. So mm-hmm. that's something that uh, – I think the owners will concede, but they want something for it. But the fundamental problem is uh, this is the end of the five-year plan uh, agreement that signed in 16. I see. And the average player's salary has dropped. Wait, why is uh, that? Uh, because the way they that they were able to kind of have a, a wink-wink, like don't – yeah, go get the big-time guy, you know, Matt yeah. Scherzer for a 37-year-old getting $140 million from the Mets for three years, mm-hmm. that's more than what the Pirates pay their entire payroll in 2022. Well, you know, that reminds me of the, the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Great movie. One of my favorite movies uh, that I think you've ever, ever done about mm-hmm. baseball, right? And how yeah. up until the Oakland A's, you know, uh, mm-hmm. changed the game, right? And, I, of course, the... All the other big teams, the Red Sox, just follow suit and, and start using statistics and, and all that to find amazing players, right? For for That's right. That's so. right. And uh, but they also spend money up until the salary. They're, okay, that's the other issue. So so simply put, Max Scherzer in one year in 2022, he'll make more money, uh, approximately 40 million than the yeah. entire than the entire Pirates roster. Like, there's just something fundamentally wrong with that, right? There's yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the have-nots. You know? I mean, look at the Yankees. It's even worse with the Yankees, right? Well, and, and, that, and the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Angels, the Dodgers, Seattle spends a lot of money. Uh, the Rangers spend a lot of money. And then you have the teams that are that, – that don't. So, the you know, the Pirates, the Orioles, the Diamondbacks. So you, you what the Players Union would like is, yes, we do not want a salary cap. They don't want the money capped. But if these teams go over a certain number, they yeah. have to pay money into the luxury cap, which but then you really the, the, think, poor, you... the, the poor teams then can get money to ideally not to put in their pocket, but to go spend on players. That's the way it's supposed to work. The, the players union would love there to be a floor, but not a cap. So the Pirates can't spend $43 million on their entire roster, on, on their entire 40-man roster. They want them to spend like 60, 70, 80 million. 
and then not and still not have a cap. Now the owners will not agree to that. But do you really think that the Yankees care about that? Even if they put a, a cap, right? They will still they will be happy to pay, you know, the extra taxes or whatever, right? Uh, they don't even care. The luxury, the luxury yeah, tax. They, they it doesn't yeah. matter to them. Uh, uh, to my knowledge, the Yankees have not paid that as much as you'd think. The the, okay. the Red Sox have gone over it, and I think the Dodgers are very close to that cap. I mean, yeah, sure, they're going to go out and spend, you know, three hundred million a year on players, uh, and the Pirates are at forty million. See yeah. what would happen? Your model in Europe is the uh, the Pirates would then drop down into AAA. And they would bring up another team who was spending money. That's right. right that's right. They've yeah, talked yeah. about that model for soccer in in Europe. Well, that always amazed to me that in the MLS, regardless of you have a crappy season or uh, you know you're not going to go down in the second division, and it doesn't to me it does it doesn't motivate the players. Sometimes I feel like they're not motivated enough because there's not you know the the the, the, the potential fact that they could uh, be relegated. And so, but if there were, you know, uh, there was a, a, a threat that it could be relegated, then that would be a different story. But anyway, so that's, I don't make the rules, so. Yep. Um, so that's uh, the MLB situation. Uh, the long and short of it is, I, I, the, the owners are pointing at, hey, we'll spend money. We just spent $1.7 The players are like, well, that was only a handful of players. Uh, this thing, uh, they've already suspended spring training. Uh I don't know if they're going to do the winter games or not. They're going to have uh, winter meetings because there's really not much to talk about. Yeah, uh, They're normally in the middle of December every year, uh, right around now. And then uh, I got a feeling this may drag into like February, March, April, maybe even May. Um, what will happen is, on the and the owners are counting on this, that on the player side, you're going to have the Max Scherzers of the world, who's probably on his last contract or one of his last contracts at 37. Yeah. And he's like, look, I want my money. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, Seager will say the same thing. Mookie Betts, you know, Harper for the Phillies in right field, who was MVP. They'll all say, look, we, we got to start playing because every yeah. game we don't play, I lose 162 of my salary, right? Yeah. Get, pay, get paid on a, a basis of uh, 162 games. Yeah. So the younger players are going to, yeah, but w when you're retired in three to five years, you know, what about us? We're going to be stuck mm -hmm. with the, the salary going from, well, in 16 at 12 million, the average salary dropped down to six or seven million. Well, that that's a fundamental problem because that's the, the majority of the players, not the outliers on both sides. They would yeah. also, the players union would also love to see the minimum wage go from 570 maybe to uh, a million. Yeah, but the owners aren't going to let that happen. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, the, the players would love to start free agency sooner. Like, can I be a free agent after my second year? And then the owners won't let that happen either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, it's a tough. It's a tough. They're both situation. dug in, and uh, this ain't going anywhere. And if there's a sport that can't really afford this, I would say it's baseball because you know people my demographic we love it no matter what. But the younger people, you know, when I say younger, I mean like 39 and younger. I, I don't think – I think they, their attention span goes back to basketball. It goes back to football, maybe even a little hockey. Uh, yeah. They're bored by baseball. Like mm -hmm. you have to really understand the game to to enjoy it and be really uh, passionate about it. And, 
and it's kind of just a distraction for many of them as they sit in the stands if they're there and they're on their phone and they're talking to somebody oh somebody got a hit you know it's, it's kind of an afterthought and baseball can't afford a long absence because they're going to fall behind hockey as the uh, fourth sport out of the top four in the United States yeah, no, that's a great point. So speaking of hockey, right, one of the big news, I think, uh, recently was the fact that the uh, the Penguins got bought for, I think, $900 million by the same ownership group that owns, I think, uh, Liverpool and uh, the Red Sox. So yes. how big of a deal is this? Uh, it's it's To my knowledge, it, it broke ground as far as I don't know of any other NHL team that sold for $900 million. I'd have to research that a little closer. And why do you think they got bought for that much money? Uh, I think the John Henry group, called the Fenway group up in Boston, really wanted to have a player in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, the six original NHL teams are very valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. They're probably worth at least $900 million, if not more. And that would be, of course, the Boston Bruins, Montreal Canadiens, yeah. Tor- Toronto, uh, Toronto uh, Leafs, Leafs. Leafs, Maple Leafs, the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, and the Detroit Red wing- Wings. And yeah. uh, they were not available. Now, I have some Bostonian friends that I went to college with in St. Joe's, and they, they're, like, upset. Boston, The city of Boston's upset that John Henry, of who course. reversed the curse of yeah. Babe Ruth and won four World Series, starting with the one in 04. With the Red Sox, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. For the Red Sox, that why didn't he buy the Bruins? Well, he didn't buy the Bruins because they weren't available. <laughs> the, That's the, right. The Bruins, no, they sell them. So you, you can see where, and LeBron James has a piece of this company. By That's right. Yeah. yeah, a small piece, but a piece nonetheless. And uh, you could see where it would be a conflict of interest to own multiple teams in the same league, right? You could see that it's very obvious. So if I can only have one team, wow, I can't buy the Bruins. So I'll buy I'll buy the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Which that's a pretty good team. That's a really it's a pretty good, good team to have. Uh, it is a smaller market, um, but you know the TV rating is is just not as strong. Um, just real quick, like the Super Bowl, like 60 million households watch the Super Bowl in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's roughly 100 million households with the average of 3.2 people in the household, thus making up 325 million people in the United States. Well, <laughs> do you know when the when the Penguins played San Jose Sharks, San Jose is a bigger market, yeah. uh, only 2.4 million households watched the Stanley Cup Finals? Wow. That's all. Not 60 million like like the Super Bowl is. Mm-hmm. So you say, well, where were those? Well, half a million of them, excuse me, 800,000 of them were in Western PA. So how many were, households were in San Jose area? Uh, how about a half a million? I used to live in so San that Jose. Would be, that, that, small, yeah. So that's 1.3, right? Yeah. So that means there's only 1.1 million households in the United States that weren't in the the Western PA area or the San Jose area that actually watched it. So like once the, the Flyers are eliminated, once the Rangers are eliminated, once Vancouver is eliminated, nobody watches yeah. that. Yeah. So the, the money isn't there for advertising the way it would for any of the other three sports. Yeah, that's a good point. 900 good million. Point. I don't think five years from now they're gonna. That's going to double and they're going to be worth 1.8 billion. Now I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. But I don't see that doubling anytime soon. I think that's a wonderful price for the seller. 
and I'm happy mm-hmm. for Mario Lemieux. He's done so much ever since 84 when he was drafted by the Penguins. He probably yeah. is the single person that has had the much to do about their their success. And uh, God bless him. And, you know, he uh, he retired officially in 06. And, uh, you know, now he's cashing his chips out. And I think it's a brilliant move. That's for sure, yeah. And so Fenway fans should be thrilled because they don't the, – the Fenway group does not move franchises. Look what they did. You know it better than I do. In Liverpool, they turned that mm-hmm. team around. He oh, turned yeah. he, he turned the team around uh, with the Red Sox, reversing the curse. So he, we're, they're going to draft better. They're going to yeah. use analytics. They're going to draft, sign free agents, and they're going to make yeah. better trades. And this franchise uh, will win more cups. Under yeah, so the we, we work with the Penguins, and I can tell you that they're yeah they're very tech savvy, uh, and they're really really good at that kind of stuff. So, uh, like you said, it's a good goodbye. Um, so uh, you know, last questions, right? So uh, look, we we're kind of mid-season of the NBA season, right? Steph Curry is on fire. Uh, last yep. night, I think he broke a, a record for number of threes. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, and then if you look at the NFL, I mean, that's an area where you know you far better than I do. But my question to you is, who will win the Super Bowl this year and who will win the NBA championship? And that's a tough question, but it's a personal opinion. But uh, what's the, your New England, the New England Patriots will beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the, in the Super Bowl in February 12th. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then the Golden State Warriors will beat the Milwaukee Bucks. You think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I do. Wow. Okay. Um, Their uh, running game is phenomenal. You saw what they did in Buffalo last weekend. Yeah. And the thing about the running game, it travels. And the other thing about defense, they probably have the best defense in the AFC. Defense travels. Their quarterback, who's a rookie and inexperienced, he only had to throw the ball three times, and they beat one of the best teams in the AFC. Of course, there was 40-mile-an-hour. So let me ask you this. Do you think that they found a new Tom Brady? Do I think what about Tom Brady? Do you think that the Patriots found a new Tom Brady with this no. new quarterback? No. No. There's only one Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, but is he that good? The kid from Alabama's not Tom Brady. Uh, but he's good enough to win in that in that system. It's a great okay. system. Uh, February third, fe- February thirteenth on a Sunday. That's the Super Bowl, and uh, that's my prediction. Okay. And, and would you see uh, competing in the East uh, as far as the NBA? Do you think the Bucks will win the East? Yeah, I think they're going to win. Are going to win the East again? Um, but Golden State's going to get uh, some of their other players back, and I think they got Tatum's one last. Yeah. I, I think Golden State has one last run in them before they break that team up. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, look, we're 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 at the end of the the podcast interview, but as always, it, it's great to talk to you. Always uh, great insights. So thank you for for your time today. Thank you, Julian. It's always good listening to your podcast. I learn a lot. Uh, when uh, when I listen to them, and I appreciate our audience uh, taking time out of their busy schedule to be part of it. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, you have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.